Today is Wednesday, August the 3rd, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we continue along with the 2022 opponent preview series. On today's show, guys, I break down the Gamecocks week 10 opponent, the Vanderbilt Commodores. Guys, I'll break down the doors in their entirety. We'll talk their head coach, how they fared a season ago, their best returning players on both offense and defense, and I'll give my overall outlook for Clark Lee's squad, including that game to kick off the November slate at Vanderbilt Stadium. Also, guys, we got your listener questions and a fantastic conversation. Great interview with the man who broke the G.G. Jackson madness, Jamie Shaw of On3, the national basketball recruiting analyst for On3. He joins me to detail G.G. Jackson's commitment, Lamont Paris, the future of the Gamecocks basketball program, and much, much more. Guys, we've got a packed show for you here on this hump thing. Of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use that promo code SPURSUP to get $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, they've got it, whether it be Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events. They've also got what's called a deal score. So when you go to their app or their website, they're going to tell you exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying. So when you click that buy button, guys, you know that you're getting the absolute most bang for your buck. So again, guys, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go down Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use that promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. down in the dumps for any reason here on this Wednesday. Let me try to brighten your mood. Folks, do you realize that with tomorrow's Hall of Fame game between the Jaguars and the Raiders, and yes, I know it's the NFL, but either way, 
Do you realize that what that means is last week was the last week without football up until the Super Bowl? Folks, we made it. It's officially football season. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, we have got a ton to dissect and discuss and get into, and I'm really excited to chat with each and every single one of you guys. First things first, let me just say this. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support, man. I, I cannot even express, words don't do justice, how grateful I am for you guys' love and your support of the business, the content, the merch. You know, we had a great conversation yesterday on the Daily Crow with 2024 four-star quarterback commitment, Dante Reno. Obviously, Stephen Garcia on the airwaves on Monday. Great conversation on this here podcast with Jamie Shaw. And every time, you know, this happens all the time when I'm creating content or doing anything, but especially when I do interviews, right? And I have the opportunity to interact and chat with and really have com casual conversation with legendary human beings, I'm always reminded and just reinforced of how lucky I am and how fortunate I am. And, and it just reinforces how grateful I am, man, to be able to wake up and do what I do. And guys, you guys, because of your support, allow me to wake up and truly live out my dreams. You know, it's funny, man. I'll have people that ask me, you know, did you ever see this or envision this or plan on this when you first started way back in 2017? And guys, I'll tell you honestly, there are things that have happened along this journey that I don't want to sound corny or cheesy or anything like that, but there are things that have happened that I don't think I could have even planned. Like they're better than any dream or expectation I could have ever set out. And I have you all to credit for that. Because again, without your love and support, you guys are the engine. You guys are the thing that make this thing go. There's no way. A guy like Dante Reno, a commitment to the University of South Carolina, a high-profile guy like that, there's no way he's interested in coming on our, our, on our airwaves, whether it be the Daily Crow or the podcast. There's no way he's interested in doing that if not for the support system that we have, the way you guys interact with the show, the live show, the content, the merch, the way you guys post and show love. There's no way he wants to do that. So, guys, I want to know. I want to let you all know I'm extremely grateful for each and every single person that tunes in this show, man. I cannot say thank you enough, and and it just makes me fired up, man, and excited. You guys wonder why I'm always like on edge and fired up and pumped and all that. It's because of you, man, and it's because I know there are people that are fired up and excited to hear what we have to say and talk Gamecocks, and we're all filled with passion and excitement. That's exactly how it should be, man. So uh, I really do appreciate y'all the love. If you have not heard that Dante Reno conversation, guys, you can go to yesterday's Daily Crow. And again, this is another reason why I'm working on setting up the Daily Crow podcast feed, because very, very soon we will have that feed set up to where I could just say, hey. It's in podcast form. You can go listen to everything Dante Reno had to say. And it was a phenomenal combo, by the way. A lot of great insight on Marcus Satterfield, Shane Beamer, the Gamecocks football program. Um, some great tidbits in there and some great uh, some great quotes by Dante Reno also. So, again, be sure to check that out, guys. Again, very excited to chat with you all, like I said, here on this Wednesday. Before we dive in everything, a couple of housekeeping items and a couple of reminders Today is a very, very big day because, folks, tonight, for the final time, we grace the stage 
at Tin Roof on a Wednesday night in the Vista, six to eight guys taking your questions, comments, calls, three dollar drum, three dollar rumple, three dollar drafts, three dollar fireball as well. Great food, great people, great times. It's always a fun time at Tin Roof, and I'm sure this one, again, being the final time, we will get into some shenanigans to say the least at Tin Roof in downtown Columbia. Man, I want to say thank you to all those Tin Roof folks for having me out again. We'll talk more about it tonight when we're actually on stage and we're live. But you guys, of course, can tune in. We will stream at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all that good stuff. But uh, really excited, man. I know tonight's going to be an emotional night. I know it's going to be an emotional night tonight, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And again, it's been such a blessing. It's been such an experience, and it's it's been incredible, man, to uh, to grace the stage there. And I'm really excited and looking forward to talking Gamecocks and, again, just doing it up big one final time. Also, we might have a couple special guests stop by. So uh, I highly suggest if you're in the area, you're passing through Columbia, would love to have you guys come on out. Let's all enjoy it together one final time. Also, guys, want to remind you, tomorrow night, all my Greenville Gamecocks, all my upstate Gamecocks, Tomorrow night, the TSUS tour rolls on in downtown Greenville at that Carolina Alehouse location. Would love to see you guys out there. We'll get going at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock we'll get going. Of course, guys, like I said, the Hall of Fame game is tomorrow night, so we'll be watching that game. We'll be doing a Q&A probably starting at like 7.30, just talking Gamecocks football, stuff like that. I will have the towels on hand, by the way. Very excited for that. I'm picking up towels today from my merch guy. We'll have towels on hand. We'll have koozies on hand. Very, very, very pumped to uh, to get out there to Carolina Ale House in downtown Greenville. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys and talking Gamecocks and a great night of fellowship. And that downtown location that Ale House has is incredible. So if you've never been, highly suggest you come out and uh, let's have one hell of a night together as we continue along the TSUS tour. Guys, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into everything. We continue along with a 2022 opponent preview series on today's show we are breaking on the Gamecocks week 10 opponent the Vanderbilt Commodores as South Carolina travels to Nashville Vanderbilt Stadium to take on Vandy Saturday November the 5th when you look at this series it is one that has been heavily in favor of USC as USC leads the overall series 27 to 4 and what stands out more than anything is the Gamecocks have won 13 straight over the doors, which is insane, by the way. We'll get more into that in just a second. Uh, the last meeting, of course, guys, who can forget last year? I mean, that streak probably should have been snapped. Zeb Nolan's heroics really saved the Gamecocks' 2021 season against Vandy as Carolina won on a late final, basically final seconds, game-winning drive. USC won that game by a final score of 21 to 20. And again, I've talked to my guys over the door report, and that's one that really was a gut punch to Clark Lee's squad. But the Gamecocks able to escape death at Williams Bryce Stadium in that 21 to 20 victory. You look at last year, tough year one for Clark Lee, two and 10 overall, 0 and 8 in the SEC. So they'll look to get their first SEC win in a couple of seasons when they take the field this fall. Uh, again, guys, talking about their head coach, Clark Lee. And I tell you what, if you listen to anything I've done, I'm a big fan of Clark Lee. I think Vandy, I think Clark Lee's doing actually a fantastic job there. Had a really rough first season. He comes into his second year. Um, you know, we're all excited to watch the Doors take on Hawaii on the island, by the way, in week zero. But I think Clark Lee, you know, we all understand, guys, it's Vanderbilt football. And it's a tough job. It's a rebuilding job. It seems like it's constantly in rebuild mode. They need stability desperately there. Obviously, Derek Mason was not the answer. But Clark Lee trying to make things happen in Nashville going in his second year. I think Vandy, 
is actually set up very well under Clark Lee. I like Clark Lee a lot. You talked to all those Vandy folks. They're really excited. They actually compare him to a guy like a Shane Beamer, who is energetic, infectious personality. All the Commodores fans rally around him. So, again, Clark Lee, I think the excitement in Nashville is there. But they understand also it's going to take time for him to build anything sort of substance, if you will. How did they fare a season ago? Let's look back at their schedule. Again, guys, it was a rough year, 2-10, and 0-8 in SEC play, and it really got off to a really rocky start as Vanderbilt lost to East Tennessee State in week one. 23-3. to three. They then got their first win of the season against Colorado State in week two. 24-21, they beat them. Lost two in a row to Stanford and Georgia. Beat UConn for their second and last win of the season. 30-28 to 28 in a thriller in Nashville. And then lost the remainder of their games at Florida, at South Carolina, Mississippi State, Mizzou, Kentucky, at Ole Miss, and at Tennessee. And guys, the closest they came to beating somebody was the Gamecocks when they lost 21 to 20. And again, you could argue they should have won that football game. Let's look at their best returning players on offense and defense. And look at the offensive side. Quarterback's the question, but they've got an answer at wide receiver. They got answers at the skill positions. Wide receiver Will Shepard, I think, returns as their top guy. Last season, 43 catches for 577 yards and four touchdowns. Also, keep an eye on their running back. Ramon Davis, the senior, he got hurt after three games last year, but if he stays healthy, he figures to be one of their top, if not their top guy on the offensive side. So again, that's Will Shepard. I think he's going to be a big play guy on the outside for Clark Lee's squad. You look at the best returning player on defense, and this one's a no-brainer, a preseason all-conference guy, linebacker, and Fernie Orgy, last season, 92 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, one sack and one forced fumble. This dude was all over the field for the Commodores and expecting to have yet another big year, a leader of that Vandy defense. You look at the overall outlook, guys. A lot of returning starters, a lot of experience, 13 returning starters, six on the offense and eight on the defense. But the questions start at quarterback on the offensive side. Is it Mike Wright? Is it Ken Seals? Of course, the Gamecocks did see Mike Wright last year. And you look at the two in their statistics. Ken Seals threw for 1,181 yards, five TDs, and eight interceptions. You then look at Mike Wright, 1,042 yards, eight TDs, and six interceptions. So really, neither guy was all that great. Mike Wright did run for 373 yards and a touchdown. So certainly, he's much more mobile of the two options. But finding that guy at quarterback is where things have really got to start for Vanderbilt. They've got some okay guys at the skill positions. Also, the offensive line, a huge, huge question mark and deficiency for them. Um, they lost, actually, their best offensive lineman, left tackle Tyler Steen. He entered the NCAA transfer portal and went to Alabama. I mean, that's just really unfair, right? Like, the rich truly get richer when Vander or excuse me, Alabama's out here stealing Vanderbilt's best offensive lineman. It's like, leave something for the Commodores. But either way, it's a tough job for Clark Lee, and he knows that. When you look at the defense, they've got a couple of transfers. Uh, UConn cornerback Jeremy Lucian and Clemson transfer linebacker Kane Patterson. They're both expecting them to start. And the question is, can those two guys boost the defense? Because you look on the defensive side, of course, you have Orgy leading them in the middle. Um, two of their three linebackers are back. you got two defensive backs that returned from last year's squad. Two defensive linemen. So you've got experience at every single level, and then you add it in these transfers. They expect in Nashville to take a big step forward on the defensive side this season. Guys, my question for Clark Lee's squad is this. Does Vanderbilt win an SEC game this year? And if so, 
who is it against? Because you look at their schedule, they have an opportunity to get off to a good start at Hawaii in week zero, Elon at home in week one. So you think at worst, they're going to start one and one. They then got Wake Forest at NIU. So there's a chance early to pick up some non-conference wins. But guys, their conference slate, they start at Alabama, then have Ole Miss at home, at Georgia, at Mizzou, South Carolina at home, at Kentucky, Florida at home, and Tennessee at home. Does Vandy win an SEC game? I mean, which, and if they do, which SEC team do they beat? I mean, it's hard for me to look at that schedule. Maybe at Missouri, if Mizzou's really that bad and has that tough of a year, I mean, they got Tennessee at home, but I just I can't see Tennessee losing that game to them. They're not beating Bama. They're not beating Georgia. Uh, I don't think they're beating the Gamecocks either. So will Clark Lee be able to lead Vandy to an upset and get his first SEC win as their head coach? Going to be tough, but, you know, there are opportunities, but uh, it could be another really, really tough year in Nashville. And, guys, finally, when you look at this game, The thing that stands out to me, and I basically say this every single year, obviously last year that was the closest the Gamecocks have come to losing to Vanderbilt uh, in this winning streak. But 13 straight wins in this series. Death, taxes, and USC beating the Commodores. Like, it doesn't matter how good or how bad South Carolina is, they find a way. And this year for the Gamecocks, guys, you you just – You hate to overlook an opponent, and that's really not what I'm doing by saying this. But the question this year isn't around, oh, you know, after last year, is South Carolina going to be able to hold on and beat Vandy? Because, guys, at some point, Vandy's going to beat South Carolina again. Like, it's going to happen. But with all the additions, all the talent you've added, the rosters are nowhere close. And and so this year will be about how do you win and win with style in Nashville? Like, what does Spencer Rattler do? Can you win by three, four, maybe five touchdowns, right? Getting a big win. You know, we talked a lot about South Carolina. If they win seven games this year, you know, it's no more than you won last year. But how you win is what makes the difference. Uh, Beating a Vanderbilt by more than one point, yeah, that's going to go a long way in regards to, you know, winning in more impressive fashion than you did a season ago. But it's just wild that no matter what has happened, everything that's changed, right, the Gamecocks are on – their, their, you know, their third head coach in this streak, right? Their, their third head coach since the tr- the streak started. South Carolina has won big games, lost games, had terrible seasons, had great seasons. None of it's mattered. South Carolina still always just finds a way to beat Vandy. Like, it just, it just doesn't matter. And I mean, last year goes to show, right? That USC team last year was defeated, was down and out. We all thought, God, Vandy's going to beat South Carolina at Williams Price Stadium. The streak's over. And Zeb Nolan said, no, sir. No, sir. And created one of the most viral, one of the best moments of the 2021 season after on Colton Gothier's live Instagram video, just an old man doing some big things. That's it. That's it. And twist the mustache while you do it. Um, nah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it just, no matter what happens, the Gamecocks always find a way to beat Vandy. And, and this game is about, if South Carolina's worried about beating Vanderbilt, then we got much, much bigger issues than uh, than we planned. And the 2022 season already didn't go the way we were hoping it would. So, you know, this is one, certainly every Gamecock fan throws in the win bucket. This is one you expect to win, and you should expect to win. And, and South Carolina should not only expect to win, but expect to win, I think, and with this year's team, win with style and, and win by minimum double digits and uh, and put on a damn show, certainly. So, again, that is the opponent preview, the breakdown of the Vanderbilt Commodores, the Gamecocks Week 10 opponent. What are your thoughts on that game and Vanderbilt as a whole? Again, guys, I would ask you, I would ask you, do you think Vandy 
is going to win an SEC game this season. Guys, before we get out of here and we get into our interview, let's dive into your listener questions because I wanted to hear from you all your thoughts on the Vanderbilt Commodores and this game as a whole. So let's dive into this. Uh, let me pull this up. Your listener questions, your thoughts. And many of you were like, Chris, what are you talking about? Like, we're really going to talk about Vandy? But yes, yes, we're really going to talk about Vandy. We're not just going to ignore this game. We're, we're not going to ignore the Commodores. Here we go. Uh, Caden Gibson, 42, says not too good. It would be the norm for South Carolina to lose this than beat Florida and Tennessee. I I, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but eh. Let's not even pretend. Uh, Matty Ice Tumlin says, easy blowout. David Barnes, 76, says, we're going to lose to them eventually, but not this year, 35 to 20. Okay, so you got a 15-point victory. Bobby Light SC says, I think this is a great game to see what the offense and rush defense can do. Very good point. Barrett B08 says, 44 to 17. Rattler goes 28 to 35. 300-plus yards. Jaheim Bell with three touchdowns. Okay, and then Sheffy says, 2020 Kevin Harris kind of rushing game, 31 to 10 Gamecocks. All those are fair. Again, I think South Carolina should be expecting a, I would say, honestly, guys, a three-touchdown or more victory. I mean, I think with the guys you had on the offense and you should be you should be solid on defense yet again. And, I mean, again, this is a Vandy team that their offensive line is just atrocious and they don't know who's playing quarterback and they really just don't have the weapons you have. It should be a fun day for USC for sure. All right, guys, hey, before we get out of here, I appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. We got a great conversation. Don't go anywhere. Great interview with Jamie Shaw of On3, the guy that broke all this madness and broke the news. He was way ahead of the G.G. Jackson stuff, an absolutely legendary conversation. A lot of tidbits you may not know from that recruitment and everything he was hearing on the inside. So again, guys, do not go anywhere. Listen to that conversation. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Price picks, and we talk a lot about the football season, right? I know you guys love to gamble on spreads, over-unders, totals. You love to do parlays, what have you. Why not win some money on prop plays this season? Our friends are at Price Picks, guys. Go download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries here's how it works you pick two to five players you can win up to 10 times on any entry prize picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry it's literally just you against the projection they also allow mixed sport entries for, for so for example guys you can take the over on spencer rattler parlay with the under on matt ryan parlay with the over on mlb nhl nba it does not matter the sport and guys here's the big kicker you can play prop plays in college sports what other books offer that they've also got a slick easy to use mobile app both in the app store and google play and they're rated 4.8 stars in the app store with rave reviews again guys it's our friends over at prize picks be sure to go download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com and when you do sign up today use that promo code tsus at sign up to receive a 100 instant deposit match up to $100. And again, guys, we appreciate our friends over at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up Show. Again, guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and enjoy this conversation with Jamie Shaw of On Three. All right, guys, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show, very excited with all the movement around South Carolina men's basketball. We had to go straight to the guy he is the national basketball recruiting analyst for on three and most notably probably where you know him from the man who broke all this gg jackson madness before it ever happened about a month or so before it happened he took some heat for it by the way on social media but at the end of the day 
he was right as Gigi Jackson's officially a Gamecock. Very excited, though, to be joined by Jamie Shaw of On3. Jamie, man, I appreciate you taking the time. It is a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely, Chris. Thank you for having me. I've been following kind of your trajectory um, since you first popped on the scene a couple of years ago up until now, man. It's been awesome to be able to watch, and thanks for uh, to having me on. Yeah, Jamie, no, I appreciate the kind words, my friend. Like I said, it's a pleasure and an honor to chat with you. And obviously, of course, everybody wants to pick your brain and ask you about Gigi Jackson. Before we do so, though, before we talk about that, <clears throat> I want to get your thoughts and feelings on the South Carolina basketball program as a whole. And obviously, there's a new head coach in town in Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks. You know, I, I think some people expected it. It was a little bit unexpected to me when the South kind of made the move on Frank Martin. I'll just get your take. Were you surprised when they made that move? Because there were a lot of folks that felt like he had the in on Gigi Jackson, and it would have been a much simpler path to land him in Columbia had they stuck it out with Frank. But obviously he had been there a decade. They only had one tournament appearance. Granted, it was the Final Four, and we all know the challenges with the Gamecocks basketball program. But again, bottom line, were you surprised when Carolina made that move? Uh, yes and no. I, I think it could have gone either way with it. I think heading into the season, I think that the administration, it felt like, um, wanted to make a move going in. Um, and granted, there toward the end, whenever, you know, Gigi Jackson told everybody he was coming on his, on his visit and all that type of stuff, um, there was some momentum building. A lot of the players were buying – the high school players, recruits were buying in as well. Um, but there was a 10-year track record, a 10-year period there um, that you can't deny for what could be. Um, you know, so I, I, I can, I can see an argument for yes. I can see an argument for no, but I think everybody's happy with current day where they're at that's involved with the situation. So, yeah. And, and you land on Lamont Paris and Jamie, I, I'll, I'll just say admittedly, I had no clue Lamont Paris was when they hired him. I was like, I had to look up like, okay, UT Chattanooga like, or Chattanooga. Who is this guy? Your thoughts on Lamont Paris, were you able to, I mean, was he a dude you were really familiar with and just what do you know about him and how do you feel about his fit in Columbia? Um, so going into it, I, I didn't have a lot of interaction with him. Um, very minimal, actually. I knew who he was because UT Chattanooga um, is probably the, the best job in the SOCON. The SOCON in years past put out coaches, um, you know, Steve Forbes to Wake Forest. Um, you know, you have Mike Young to, to Virginia Tech. You had Wes Miller up to Cincinnati. So the, the, the conference in recent years has been putting out great coaches. Um, the previous coaches at UT Chattanooga, they they all moved up. Will Wade, Matt McCall, all that stuff had moved up as well. Um, so I was familiar with him uh, from that standpoint. He went in, he buzzer beat her over Furman, uh, went in and almost beat Illinois in the tournament and all that. Um, but personal interactions with him, I hadn't had many. Uh, Lamont as a person, as I've gotten to know him since he um, came over to, to South Carolina, he's a he's a very personable guy. He's kind of quirky, um, you know, but he he's very genuine um, in, in his interactions and stuff. And I think anybody that's genuine as a person can make it anywhere in the country um, from a from 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 a standpoint of surroundings and everything, too. So he's a he, he's a genuine person. and I think people will warm up to him um, as they get to know him. Now, Jamie, the reason we brought you on, my man, the Gigi Jackson stuff. Let, let's just let's go back to the beginning because I'm not going to try to pretend like I followed each and every single step of what happened. But obviously, we know Gigi commits to UNC. They had never, which I thought was crazy when I heard this. I guess it's not like football though, where decommits happen all the time. They had never had a decommitment. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Never. Yeah. No. So, so they had. Um... I guess in the modern recruiting area, they, they had two guys that were committed to North Carolina, ended up not going. J.R. Smith ended up opting to go pro straight to the draft. And they had James on Curry, who was committed there and had to 
had legal trouble and stuff, right. so he, they had to part ways. Other than that, no, no other player had, you know, decommitted on their own accord and gone to another college in, in the modern recruiting area. So what did you start to hear that led to, and I, again, I don't have <clears throat> the exact timeline pulled up in front of me, but again, I, I, I will remember seeing, or I do remember seeing, on social media, your initial tweets and the reports and stuff like that, and you were saying, you know, I think just it was just kind of coming out like, hey, Gigi Jackson's at minimum wavering on, you know, his commitment and because of the reclassification stuff. Again, just just for those who, let's just pretend, have no idea what happened, walk me through this whole Gigi Jackson saga, what you heard from the jump, and just how, how that kind of evolved and unfolded, if you will. Well, I mean, let's take it all the way back. Um the reason why it was a real thing when I started hearing the rumblings in May was because of the groundwork that was laid back in October, November. Uh, Chuck Martin first approached the family about reclassification back in October, November, and the family was on board. They got their stuff over to the compliance office and, and the admissions office to see what it would take. And they got back to him and said, these are the classes, these are the credits you need to have. So Gigi took classes and credits throughout the, his senior year of high school in order to be able to graduate early. He took his visits. He goes on the visit to South Carolina and tells, the, at the LSU game, he tells the administration, he tells the coaching staff, he tells everybody that he's coming. They sit across from the administration. They tell him he's coming. They ask, is Frank going to um, be fired? As the story goes, they're told that he's not. So they say, okay, we're coming to play. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, Frank's fired. So they felt as I'm told that they were dishonest right. and all that stuff. They were hurt by it. The kid wanted to be at South Carolina. The kid put in extra work mm -hmm. to be at South Carolina, to graduate early, to be there June one. Um, and you know, they felt, you know, that, that they were misled. Right. So then in the wake of that, they committed to UNC right. within two or three weeks of committing to UNC. There's already talk. There's already talk about, um, reclassification and going back because he, he did all the work already principal just needed to sign something need to get something a paper sign and all that right um unc staff asked him before they go in on matthew mayor before they go in on pete nest unc staff asked him if he wants to reclass at unc he tells them no hmm. um and that's when everything kind of kick-started moving forward the family reaches back out to the usc staff um the usc staff at that point um puts everything in place and mm. he commits after peace jam. Yeah. So, so he, he's at the end of the day, the kid is where the kid wanted to be. Right. Right. And it sounds like if Frank Martin would have indeed been retained, it would have been just a no brainer. He would have committed. Not it was even, already, there would have been no drama at all. No, it was, no, it was, it was already done. He had already set a mm. commitment date and all that type of stuff to go public and everything with it. Gotcha. So, so what, I'll ask you this. What does it say about Lamont Paris that he's able to – because like you said, Gigi's where he wanted to be from the jump, but I still have to imagine that Lamont Paris had to have some sort of relationship. He wouldn't have just gone to Carolina and, and just played there. And I say Carolina, by the way, the real Carolina in South Carolina. He, he, <laughs> he wouldn't have gone to Carolina, though, if he didn't feel some sort of a relationship. He wouldn't have just gone there to go there, right? I mean, there had to be some sort of a relationship built by Lamont Paris. 100%. So Lamont, uh, there was a little bit of time there, maybe a week or two before, after Lamont was hired, before Gigi had committed to UNC to where they they were able to start building a little bit of a relationship. Um, Gigi was Lamont's first visit once he got hired. He went to go see him, um, do all that. 
and, and in that time, I guess they got to get the genuine feel of him. There's also Kerry Rich was on staff. They had a previous yeah. relationship with that they've known since he was since he was young. Um, and, and Kerry was able to kind of get on the phone and kind of facilitate things on the back end uh, while it was happening. And Lamont hadn't checked the boxes. I mean, just like you said, you're not going to go play for a coach that you don't trust. The end result here is the NBA. Mm-hmm. Right. If they don't think Lamont could help them facilitate that, they wouldn't have, they, they, they wouldn't have made the move. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he checked the boxes. Um, he's the person that they felt they could entrust their kid with for what they hope is going to be a year um and, and get him to you know a means to the end of where he wants to go yeah taking enough taking nothing away from south carolina jamie I, I mean it sounds like though a lot of this has to do with just the flat out like you said the path of the nba reclassification mm-hmm. had unc been able to accommodate that reclassification stuff he probably would be there is that fair i mean no 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 they asked him if he wanted to reclassify there and he, before they went after anybody and he said no Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand the entire saga. Either way, I mean, he's a Gamecock. But it's just very interesting. By the way, how, how funny is it, by the way, and, and I mean, I, I've dealt with this before, and I, I feel like everybody does. Obviously, it's just the nature of social media. But, you know, you've got sources. You know what's going on. You're hearing things on the back end. Like, you're you're as confident as you can be, right? These are people you trust, obviously, or you wouldn't report it. But you've got people on social media. And it's not just like, I noticed this. It's not just troll accounts. Like you had, like I feel like people in the media that were coming after you for just reporting this information. I, yeah. I mean, how crazy was that? And, and I love lately. I don't feel like you've said a lot, but you've retweeted a lot of like, "Hey, give Jamie Shaw his props." And you're just, you know, it's not like you're like, you know, just give him the retweet. Just so you're throwing it on the timeline so everybody <laughs> can see it up there, uh, which I, I I love. Why not do the 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 Jamie Shaw petty tours in full effect? Yeah. Um, this league, right? No, I mean, how, how crazy was that, though, sort of just enduring the the madness that was around the Gigi Jackson stuff and, again, just feeling the heat for almost kind of like what felt like no reason, really. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that in um, on, my, on my Twitter account, I don't, uh, I don't see a lot of the comments. Um, they don't pop up. If I don't follow you, they don't pop up on my feed. Right. Um, so I didn't really, I didn't really see a lot of them other than what people sent me and told me, um, until after the fact. And then after the fact, when I knew this was like happening, happening, um, I was able to go back through and kind of read everything and see everybody's, um, comments and, you know, just kind of have a little bit of fun. We, we all did it on three, um, kind of going through and, and looking at everything. We we were confident from the get go. This is one story that I just wasn't going to get wrong. Um, I've, I've known, I've known the family I've known everybody around the family for, for a long time and stuff. So uh, we were very confident in the intel that we had and what was going to happen with it. So it was kind of one of those things where we put the story out, and, um, you know, let, let it kind of marinate and then just enjoy the ride. Yeah. And Jamie, no matter how it happened, it happened. Gigi Jackson is a Gamecock. What does that mean for the future of South Carolina basketball? Because the number one question I've got is, you know, the Gamecocks had that final four run under Frank Martin, and it, and it just – the problem was it didn't feel like they were able to translate that and parlay that into future success. How does South Carolina use this? How does Lamont Paris use this? So I mean, this is this is a huge win for a guy that ain't even coached a game yet. This is a huge win, and I think such a shot in, in the arm for a program that so desperately needed. Because, Jamie, again, we were talking off the air – basketball at the University of South Carolina, and I'm not trying to put this out there as like, I'm not trying to knock the program, but 
it's it's when you know Frank Martin complained about this constantly about you know a football practice is getting just as much coverage if not more coverage than a basketball game and even I think that's crazy but it's just the reality like South Carolina basketball has just never been it almost feels like a very high priority thing or hasn't had that excitement that energy and going into this season just with Lamont Paris as head coach and you basically lost the entire roster I think people were kind of wary just like man like we're just not going to be very good this year and so now you get Gigi Jackson it's the shot in the arm you need how does South Carolina take this and translate and parlay this into future success with keeping these big-time in-state guys home? Because, again, no matter how it happened, G.G. Jackson's a Gamecock, and one of the top things they've struggled with is the top players in the state of South Carolina have just gone everywhere else other than USC. So how do they parlay that and translate that into future success? By showing that they can develop G.G. into being a pro. I mean, that's the end result here. You can win some games. Um, you show that you can be competitive. You show progress throughout the season, getting better, um, what what the thing is. But then also you show development into showing that you can take Jackson and make him, you know, keep, keep him as a lottery pick and develop him um, where he's projected. I think right now he's projected anywhere maybe from the 5 to 15 or so range right now in the thing. If you can keep him in that range moving forward, show progress, uh, show <laughs> programs, show development, um, and continue to build genuine relationships, um, you know, that, that, that could go a long way uh, in the future of the recruiting. Do you see any other big-time guys? Any Is there anybody out there maybe in the portal you think that because of this G.G. Jackson news could be considering South Carolina they might want to add? I think they said they've got one more slot open for uh, a transfer or what have you. Is there anybody else maybe you're hearing or you think would be a good fit that Lamont Paris and company would be wise to go after? Um, I don't know about necessarily wise and any specific names. What I would expect them to do is either one, take a, take a, tr- uh, a grad transfer that fits a need, um, a rim protector or a sharpshooter or something like that. Um, that, that, that fits <clears throat> void. Maybe somebody once these teams are back at practices now, once somebody might enter the portal, if they see that maybe they've, they're not as in the plans as they could be or something. So somebody who's going to enter the portal here in the next couple of weeks, or they hold on to the, um, they hold on to the scholarship and see if something might transpire in, uh, you know, December, January right. uh, time. For second semester starts. Um, th- those would be kind of the three options um, I would be looking at. Uh, and when I say December, January, that could either be somebody entering the portal. It could be a, a kid who graduates early from high school and, and, and enters school um, early. Um, but th- those are the three ways. I don't know necessarily that there's a transfer or a high school kid right now at current time um, that they would take. Um, but maybe a grad transfer who's currently in there or somebody who's not in there yet or something happens uh, at mid-semester. Hmm. Jamie, this has been a pleasure, man. Before I get you out of here, the outlook of this team for this season, um, again, before the Gigi Jackson commitment, signing, what have you, I think most of us just looked at, hey, it's year one of Lamont Paris. I hate to say it. It's just a total wash. Let him build. It, it's going to be tough. You lost your entire roster. But now you got Gigi, and you bring back, you know, you got Michi Johnson from Ohio State from the transfer portal, Hayden Brown from the Citadel. You got Chico Carter, Jacoby Wright, uh, Josh Gray in the middle of the transfer from LSU, who play, obviously played last year. Outlook for this team adding Gigi. I mean, do they do they go from probably a bottom of the SEC type of team? Does 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 one player, does one Gigi Jackson equate possibly being in the postseason? Is he does he make that big of an impact? Well, see, and that, and that's hard to do because I don't. I don't necessarily know what the baseline was. I don't know what Lamont Paris does with SEC talent in the right. SEC as a coach. 
Um, so it, it could have he could have taken the roster he currently had and been a middle of the tier team because of the, the, the scheme and the mm-hmm. the plays that he runs, the buy in, the hard the hard knock stuff that they do. Um, or, or they could have been bottom. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to see how he elevates them when you don't know what the baseline is. But with that being said, um, he certainly helps. I know he'll help with the perception. I know he'll help around the city. Mm. I know the city of Columbia wants to get around their own, mm. um, especially if their own stays local. So I'm sure this is going to help with local businesses and um, all that type of stuff kind of buying in. Um, I'm sure it's going to help with ticket sales. Again, a local kid who 15 minutes up the road playing for the local university, um, his family, friends, and everybody can come watch. So I'm sure it's going to help with ticket sales as well. And there's going to be a buzz to be able to capitalize on. We'll see what the social media team um, is able to do surrounding the buzz and the capitalization of having a local kid and the local buy-in, um, you know, with this stuff. Everything else, it, it, they just need to show progress on the court. As long as they continue to what they are in October, is better in November, better December, better in, in February, and continue the progression and stuff, um, I think it could be a successful season. Yeah. Yeah, and Jamie, to that point, I'll say this. You know, I said what I said about the basketball program and sort of the history to – I'll say this, though. Gamecock fans do love their basketball. Just look at what Don Staley and company have done. They pack out the arena for those games. I have no doubt South Carolina will rally around this program. And, again, South Carolina fans do love their basketball. And now you feel like you've got that that shot in the arm, that hope you need, that guy, that hometown hero. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun season either way. Jamie Shaw of On3. Jamie, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Absolute pleasure. Let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Chris, sounds good. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. He's Jamie Shaw. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.